Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Supporting Participants with Complex Behavioral Health Needs. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 14, 2018. In this podcast, Lauren Easton, Senior Director of Behavioral Health at Commonwealth Care Alliance, provides an example of a program that has created a unique model to serve participants with complex behavioral health needs. Hi, good afternoon. This is Lauren Easton. Um, as Chris mentioned, I'm the Senior Director of Behavioral Health for Commonwealth Care Alliance. Today, I'm going to talk about our organization, um, our model of care, and our innovative approaches to care to help support the most complex individuals in the state of Massachusetts. So a little bit about CCA. Um, we're based in Massachusetts. We are not not-for-profit, community-based health organization and clinical delivery system um, dedicated to improving care for individuals who are duly eligible for both MassHealth and Medicare. These individuals have complex behavioral, medical, and social needs um, and include folks with severe and complex disabilities. What's unique about our organization um, is we are both a payer and a provider. We have clinical teams that are internal to CCA, as well as a very large network of providers across the state of Massachusetts. We have more than 25,000 members across the state um, with two dual eligible integrated plans. We have our senior care option plan, um, which serves individuals over 65. And in 2013, we were the first state to roll out the One Care program. Um, which was a demonstration program for duly eligible individuals from the ages of 21 to 64. Next slide. A little bit about our, our model of care. We, our CCA's model of care completely emphasizes on member-centered and flexible integrated treatment. Um, we need to meet the needs of incredibly comprehensive, um, we meet the needs of incredibly complex participants, um, and particularly those with functional limitations. Our core attributes of care are significant investment in comprehensive integrated care, um, both from a behavioral health and physical um, health perspective, and we incorporate long-term services and supports. We focus on a team-based multi disciplinary approach that includes primary care, behavioral health, um, durable medical, um, and coordination across all medical and behavioral health services. We, set, we focus on collaboration of care through both our internal providers as well as our network of providers, constantly communicating and collaborating the needs of our members. In addition, every member has an individual assessment and care plan. Next slide. A little bit about our membership. Um, all, member, all members in the One Care program experience some form of functional limitation. In addition, participant, participants have significant behavioral health needs and other challenges. Over 70% of our population has, has a behavioral health diagnosis. 30% have co-occurring co disorders and 15% have a current or prior substance abuse or alcohol dependency. 7% are homeless um, and have difficulty finding housing. 
BCA members with behavioral health needs often enter the program with unmet needs. You can imagine this population um, has difficulty accessing care. There are many, many, there have been many gaps in our systems in order for these folks to get care. Um, there are such large disparities in life expectancy and chronic disease management in this population with significant behavioral health and substance abuse needs. Next slide. So we needed to find our, our approach with our model of care to meet the health and behavioral health needs of these folks. And again, we focus on an integrated model of care. So we offer a variety of services and resources in, um, that include and focus on care coordination and collaboration. We have our behavioral health intensive programs for members with our most complex behavioral health needs and highest utilization of inpatient and outpatient services. These participants also include folks with developmental disabilities. Our integrated teams consist of primary care doctors, nurse practitioners, nurses, behavioral health specialists, which are licensed clinicians, physical therapy, um, occupational therapy, and what we refer to as health outreach workers, which are similar to what folks are probably familiar with as community health workers. Our team, our, our team structure is focused on integration. We discuss complex members from both the physical um, aspects and behavioral health aspects. Our team is available to one another for joint visits. They're available for curbside consultation, ongoing support um, of one another. We collaborate with community-based organizations, human service providers, and have partnered with human service providers to what we define as our health homes. So human service providers in, our, in the state of Massachusetts work with us and identify folks within their organization to care manage for CCA. We also have mobile integrated health services for those with acute care needs. Next slide. In terms of stratification, we certainly serve a range of members. Um, so we need to tailor our model of care to members with, from, with severe mental illness, um, as well as severe physical disability, but folks that are um, also very high functioning in the community. So we look at, from our, as we're stratifying, from our least complex, um, there are folks that we do phone care coordination with a non-licensed social worker, helping them to coordinate all of their medical appointments, transportation, access to care in the community. To low and moderate complex folks, that their phone care coordination could be with a nurse or a behavioral health clinician as we stratify them from both a medical and behavioral health perspective. We also have folks with moderate to high complexity um, that may need in-home care coordination with the nurse and behavioral health clinician. About 80% of our folks in the community actually get in-home care and 80% of their visits are done in the home. We have folks that have extreme com complex complexity and have very, a lot of difficulty accessing primary care. So we have our own primary care practices as well as our behavioral health intensive teams. And lastly, we have folks that have e are either very difficult to locate or have become unengaged in treatment. And we utilize our health outreach workers, or what we call our street team, to be able to locate folks, engage folks, and 
start to develop that very important relationship. Next slide. When we rolled out the One Care program, we understood very quickly with the very high level of inpatient utilization that about 70% of our members did not need inpatient psychiatric care and could actually be seen, get services in a less restrictive environment. We, we looked at the access and availability of our community resources across the state and realized that there was really a lack of community-based acute mental health services and, rest, and crisis beds. We needed to fill this gap and have an in innovative approach um, to how we were going to serve our members that really did not need this, in, this inpatient level of care and a locked unit. Next slide. We also understood that folks with disability often had barriers to getting into inpatient care and, again, didn't really need that level of um, access. So we decided that we were going to start, as both a payer and a provider, we were going to start our own crisis stabilization units to fill the gap in care that was not addressed by existing psychiatric care settings. We opened two crisis stabilization units in the state of Massachusetts, one in a hospital setting, so we leased a floor from a hospital in Boston, as well as actually um, purchasing a large residential setting um, to offer 14 beds in a residential setting and 12 beds in, the in a hospital setting. Both were unlocked units um, and had a unique opportunity to serve our population and access services in a more seamless way. We offered longer lengths of stay than a typical crisis unit. Um, so, we, so folks may stay with us for 10 to 12 days as opposed to a three, typical three to five day stay um, and in a crisis unit. Again, as both a payer and provider, we were able to tailor the needs of, the, the needs of our members um, and to really understand what was going to be the best setting and best treatment for our members. Um, on our crisis stabilization, we utilize our internal providers, our nurse practitioners, our behavioral health specialists, our health outreach workers to really integrate care. So folks, uh, those practitioners are coming onto the units to collaborate and coordinate care with the members as well as the treatment team on the units. It's really a very community-oriented care which focuses on peer supports and post-discharge follow-up, including behavioral health supports and adaptive services for participants with physical disabilities. These are fully accessible programs um, that, we, that, again, as I noted, we, we integrate peer supports. We have peer folks coming onto the unit to run groups and also to help transition folks back into the community setting for a seamless transition to the community. Next slide. Our typical participants on the crisis stabilization units may have a physical disability and co-occurring disorders such as schizophrenia, major depression, bipolar, anxiety, trauma, addiction, chronic medical conditions, um, diabetes, chronic pain, HIV infection, liver disease, high blood pressure. Many participants actually present with a history of suicidality or current suicidality. Um, participants are likely to, we have noted that participants are likely to have a high utilization in inpatient care as well as other crisis stabilization units. Next slide. 
We also incorporate addiction services into our overall model of care as well as our crisis stabilization units. We have licensed clinicians that have expertise in identifying and initiating treatment for folks with uh, addiction issues. Um, we offer a consultation to all of our providers across um, our organization, as well as to our members who have addictions to help them understand and access resources for folks with substance use disorder. At our crisis stabilization, we have many groups that focus on uh, substance use and recovery. It is a fu it's fully integrated into the treatment at our crisis units, as well as the treatment within our in interdisciplinary care team. Some of the group topics may include fear of sobriety, emotions that trigger re relapse, learning to how to recognize a trigger and manage cravings. Next slide. So just a little bit of data about our crisis stabilization units. We really feel that these have been quite successful in providing adequate quality and cost-effective care to our members. As I mentioned before, many of our members were in inpatient settings and getting care at a cost of over $1,000 for an inpatient stay, where we have tried to, um, our average cost for our crisis stabilization units are six to $700 um, per day. We have um, seen over 648 members on the crisis unit. Many of these folks have been folks that we have deemed, quote, unreachable. So when they have enrolled with us as members of our, our health plan, we have not been able to reach them. We have wrong numbers. We have wrong addresses. We haven't been able to do our initial assessment. These folks are jumping from ER to ER and now have been um, referred to our crisis stabilization unit. We're now able to do our initial assessment connect them with appropriate care, connect them with primary care and behavioral health services in the community. 81% of the folks that are referred to our crisis stabilization are diversions from inpatient care. Our CSU staff has, has developed close relationships with area emergency service and ERs um, to help facilitate diversion. As I mentioned, 51% of our assessments on members are assessments on members who were previously unengaged or unreachable. We currently have an occupancy rate of about 76%. Um, our goal is 90%, but we are we are building that capacity. There's multiple barriers at times in getting folks into the crisis unit, um, such as. We don't, we're not always notified when somebody does hit an ER, so we're not able to divert that person. Um, or folks, there are folks who would prefer to be in an inpatient setting and feel safer in an inpatient setting. Next slide. So we really have seen that we are bending the cost curve and quality um, of care for acute psychiatric care. As I mentioned, the costs of CCA psychiatric inpatient admissions have leveled off since the creation of our CSUs. <clears throat> In crisis, members were going to ERs waiting anywhere between 48 to 73 hours before being sent for inpatient care um, at very costly inpatient settings that weren't necessarily the appropriate setting for our members. Our CSUs have been able to provide a safe and more appropriate environment for members who could be managed with short-term behavioral health and medical services. <clears throat> and 
and we are able to seamlessly transition folks back into the community and do a warm handoff to the providers in the community. Next slide. So just early CSU outcomes have been promising. Um, the member satisfaction with care delivered at the CCA, CCA CSU speaks to the value of the community-based setting and the integration of care delivered. Inpatient psychiatric admissions have decreased from 9.6 admissions per thousand members uh, per, per month between October 2013 and September 2014 to 8.5 members per month. And those were very, that was very early data. Next slide. I'm getting close to being overtime, so I'm just going to say that the staff and participants' experiences have really um, shown that the, the quality of the care in the CSUs and engagement and ability tra to transition people and, and access care in the community has been outstanding. Next slide. Just quickly, I'm going to talk about a, a member of ours who had been with us for many, many years and how our integrated teams as well as the crisis stabilization unit had really improved his care and allowed him to stay in the community for many years than had been anticipated. So Bill had been receiving primary care services for CCA for about 15 years. Um, he had both a developmental disability, he had a Bill had a physical disability, and had um, anxiety and depression. Oftentimes, he would be calling 911 and be sent to the ER and would be either admitted to an inpatient unit or sent home. If he was sent home, he would call 911 again. There was a comprehensive behavioral health plan and his team, a multidisciplinary team, both from the medical perspective and behavioral health perspective, as well as personal care assistant, helped Bill live independently for almost a decade. Things went very well for quite some time. Um, however, recently he began calling 911 repeatedly. His legal guardian decided that he could no longer live safely on his own in an apartment. Next slide. Legal guardian thought that a state institution would be the best setting for Bill. Given Bill's history, we understood that Bill would not do well in an institutional setting. He had a very traumatic experience as a child growing up in institutions, and we understood that he would not do well in this setting. It was both not an appropriate setting as well as not cost-effective for CCA. We made the decision, although our crisis stabilization units are short-term, to have Bill come to the crisis stabilization unit um, to be clinically and medically stabilized. Although he was there for a longer period of time, he would have been transitioned into a state institution, again, probably being re-traumatized from issues that he'd had when he was a child. <clears throat> so over the course of the stay at, um, through, at the crisis stabilization, Bill's team worked with state agencies, his, um, the, his team in the community, as well as the team on the unit, to really help him not only stabilize at our crisis stabilization unit, but to find permanent supervised um, housing. So after a lengthy search, Bill transitioned to an apartment in a DDS-funded residential community for developmentally disabled individuals. 
It is a very independent situation. There's 20, although there is 24-hour supervision, he is free to go to his day program, to into the community, to get coffee, um, and is a much less restrictive setting than initially he initially asked by his legal guardian. So through integrated care and innovative plans, we were able to help Bill stay in the community where he was best served. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.